Fam, y'all know we've been continuing to dive into our, our series, uh, the foundation series, where we've been looking at what it means to be uh, firmly rooted in Jesus, building our foundation on Christ and Christ alone. Uh, if you're tuning in and haven't been a part of our church services, you can go to macav.com. And we have all of those uh, sermons under, uh, if you click under sermons, you can go back and see uh, the previous sermons that we've discussed. We've gone through uh, the, the foundational elements like understanding that we are created in the image of God. We've also covered uh, the beauty of the Trinity with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. We've covered uh, topics like gravity of sin and the depths of forgiveness that Jesus offers covers sanctification and what it looks like to walk out our faith and to to live this faith and look more and more like Jesus. We've covered how to operate in our ministry spirit, in our spiritual gifts that God has given us. And today I want us to turn to Acts chapter eight as we cover another foundational topic, the topic of living on mission for Jesus. So if you could join me, turn to Acts chapter 8 and let us pray. Father, we do thank you for what you are doing in the lives of your people. We also recognize, Father, that uh, you are in control of everything. And so even though we are in our homes and we are, uh, yeah, Lord, um, worshiping in a manner that's different than what we are used to, Father, we pray that it will still be, uh, we will still meet you here, that you will calm the distractions and allow us to focus and be able to hear from you during this time. Remove me that your people might be glorified, that you might be glorified and your people might be humbled. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have uh, some really strong bonds with some people. Over time, I've been able to grab some sisters and some brothers and form some really awesome bonds. Uh, And those bonds came through certain experiences, some experiences that what we went through, man, made us tight. I have some some fraternity brothers that um, we we pledged and went through this process that had linked us up and and made us strong. I have some homies from school that... uh, we kicked it at Kirk Middle School and uh, had a had a ball, but also had some some crazy experiences in it. And it and it drew us close. Maybe you have a, a friend or maybe you have a, a, a sibling or a cousin or a cousin that's so close. They're like a sibling. And y'all went through some stuff. And that stuff, that process created a strong bond, a strong connection. Well, today we're going to dive into the scriptures in Acts chapter eight and be able to hear about a bond that took place between two brothers. The brothers are Philip and Stephen. Philip and Stephen are are two homies that were close. They were actually men of faith. And in chapter six of Acts, when the church is having some, some internal conflicts, the disciples choose seven men as deacons to help care for the body. Two of those men were Philip and Stephen. These two brothers were able to to see God use them and use the other seven and see the church flourish. 
See, the church grows. See people come to know Christ and disciples being made. They were able to have a bond from seeing, from going through an experience, and that experience was the church flourishing. But then something happens. This brother named Saul, who's a powerful leader, rose on the scene, and Saul, with his power, ordered that Stephen be stoned. Or he, he allowed it, he supported it. He was in favor of Stephen being killed. And, and out of Stephen being killed, Paul, Saul brings forth some, some persecution to the church. And in, in Acts chapter 8, it starts off letting you know that, that Saul wreaked some havoc in the church. He, he sent his, his Roman henchmen to go door to door knocking and, and they dragged women and dragged men out of their homes, gave them some, some action, beat them up a bit and then threw them in jail. So this is the this is the backdrop, a backdrop of persecution as we jump into our text today about living for mission found in Acts chapter eight. But see, even in the midst of of persecution and and fear and havoc that was going on. God had a gospel response for his people. That same gospel response that God had for for Philip in the midst of challenge after his brother Stephen had been killed. That same gospel response that takes place in persecution happens in the midst of plagues, happens in the midst of peril. Yes, persecution, plagues and peril are three words that are very different, but they lead towards the same end goal, and it is to create fear in us. That's right. Satan wants to use fear as a tool to hinder the church from being about God's mission. But God has a, has a different response, a different response for his people, a different plan. Look with me in chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. Chapter 8. The book of Acts. Verse 26 reads, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There is a desert place. There, there is a desert. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? about himself or about someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth 
And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and 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 went on his way and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Astos. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Amen. Reading with God's word. Missional living starts with God going before you, preparing the hearts of others. Missional living starts with an understanding that God is going before us, preparing the hearts of others. Notice what it says in verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There is a this is a desert place. And he rose and went and there was Ethiopian, a eunuch, a official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. God went before Philip and was working in the hearts of this Ethiopian. He was he had gone before and already started stirring something in the heart of this Ethiopian. I was uh, I had graduated from from college and one of my boys put me on with a job because I couldn't find one. Shout out to, to my boy Harrison in Cleveland. If you ever see this video, good looking out, bro. Um, so Hare put me on with this job. And what we were doing was door-to-door sales. And uh, I don't know if I can mention companies online, so I'll just say it was the pizza place that offered, like, the, the, the good pizza with the little cup of buttery sauce in the corner. You know what I'm saying? So it was that pizza spot. And what we would do is take this, this sheet of 20 coupons, and we would go door to door, knocking, trying to sell these coupons. Well, um, I, I would knock on the door, door slammed in my face. Knock on the door, door gets slammed in my face. Knock on the door, have a nice, polite conversation, but no, I'm not interested. But I knew I had a sale every time I knocked on the door and the dad or the mom opened the door and the kids were in the back screaming because they were hungry. Ching! Already know. When I knock on the door, they're going to buy because I'm bringing the thing that's going to solve their hunger. Every time, people would buy one, sometimes two. It was a coupon thing of a $100, and they would only pay 20 Family, God had gone before Philip started working in the heart of this Ethiopian brother. Look look at this look at this brother. Don't let the Charleston Heston movie confuse you. Um, Ethiopian even back in the days of the Bible writers meant black. He's a black man. He's also a eunuch. Young men and those young men would be put in an official role of of treasurer if you will over uh the royalties was was a, a a sign of trust 
it took place um, with 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 young men and those young men would be put in an official role of of treasurer, if you will, over uh, the royalties finances. And so that term eunuch is symbolic with one of power and one of trust. And by the time uh, this this is written, uh, some the, the term is used, but people aren't necessarily having a snip snip done. It's, it's at this time used uh, as just a, a term that lets you know this person is of of influence and is very trustworthy. And we don't know what, what exactly he went through. What we do know, though, is that this land is referring to um, to the land of Cush from the Old Testament, which was a powerful black kingdom. Uh, one commentator named Pole Hill says that this remote and advanced culture uh, was an object of endless curiosity for the Greeks and Romans and represented for them the extreme limits of the civilized world. Their kings were viewed as incarnations of the sun god and held a primarily ceremonial role. But the real administration of the kingdom was in the hands of the powerful queen mothers who had the title the Candace. So this Ethiopian is one of stature, one of influence and one that is trustworthy. But notice in verse 27. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He came to Jerusalem to to celebrate God. This indicates that this 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 black man was a worshiper of God long before people started talking about the Crusades. Like, like, it, like it's bi- biblical proof. So when the Hebrew Israelites or these other kind of like uh, folks that try to rewrite history, try to make Christianity to be void of any African influence, uh, please point them to the Bible. And so... Uh, this this black man has come to worship. But but notice while this black man, while this Ethiopian is coming to worship, there's also Philip's experience. You see, Philip's experience is a situation of persecution. I mean, he's just fleed and left a place where he was doing ministry, watching the Lord raise up a church and see a church start to flourish He's just had to leave because of persecution. So on one hand, you've got persecution. Which which is similar to that of a plague, similar to that of societal peril. But it doesn't stop God from preparing man's hearts. Philip's homie Stephen was was killed, but God is still over here preparing this Ethiopian to experience a new life. Also notice Philip. I, I, I was encouraged as I read that this small little word. Because Philip is led to a desert. And as a pastor, uh, I've been shocked by how God moves sometimes. I, I confess that there are days when when I put God in my box and I assume things about him and he will lead me to a place or guide me to a place and I make assumptions about the place that I've arrived at. I make assumptions about deserts. I mean, let's be for real. About a third of the gospel songs that's out there 
talk about people going through a storm or going through a desert dry place. You don't usually desire to end up at a desert. Usually a desert is something that you're going through to get to uh, Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Like a desert is not where you want where that this angel will lead. Are you? Can God deal? But the Lord establishes his steps. And Philip is open to be led anywhere that this angel will lead. Are you? Can God deviate you? Can God deviate me? Can God deviate us from our routines? Can you get somewhere for a purpose that is solely his, even though you can't see the value in it when you arrive? Might there be relationships God leads you to enter into and you don't see at first hand the value? Being missional means that you acknowledge first and foremost that God goes before you and that he is preparing the hearts of people, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of peril, even in the midst of plague. Which is where we find ourselves today. We have a situation that's similar to to Philip and and the Ethiopian. Philip was facing persecution, which leads to fear. Today we are facing a a virus or a plague that has led many to fear. People are stocking up on goods and purchasing so much, purchasing things they've never purchased before. Well, some people. Uh, There there was a couple of this dude in a in a pink bunny suit sitting back with a damn brother from Batman named Bane. And he's big, like, you know, super, super stocked diesel. And on his chest, it says the uh, coronavirus. And over here is this dude in a, in a pink bunny suit sitting back with a ginger ale. And it says black people when they got ginger ale. <laughs> Dang. I'm trying to laugh at my own joke with nobody around. Hey, the, the point of the meme is that uh, black folks feel like they are not going to be affected as long as they have ginger ale. Uh, family folks are responding in all types of different ways to this virus. It's, it's sparking fear. Uh, it's leading some not to be cautious and some are careless. It's, it's, it's surfacing in a variety of ways. What we do know is this. We know and, and just to make sure we're all careful and that even as I'm preaching the gospel, we're allowing the gospel to inform us so that we can be wise in how we deal and move throughout our, 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 our town, our community, our neighborhoods. We do know these things that this virus is easily transmitted. We're not sure all the ways that it's transmitted. But at this point, adults and people of any, all right, no eye spit, no eye goop, no, yeah, yeah just be careful. Older adults and people of any uh, older adults and people of any age with underlying health conditions such as diabetes, lung disease or heart disease are at greater risk of serious illness from uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19. Act like grandma and interact. uh, Tell everyone to wash their hands a couple times. We should be washing our hands thoroughly. Avoid touching your eyes, nose or mouth with unwashed hands. 
cover your mouth with the, with the tissue when you sneeze, then throw the tissue in the trash, and then stay home if we're sick. And if you are feeling a fever, if you're coughing beyond normal, feeling shortness of breath, uh, and have been in contact with somebody, uh, please go get tested. But the question is not simply are we just understanding the fear that is taking place right now in our culture? Are we understanding the, the, the plague that is before us? The question is, is God working? In the midst of persecution for Philip, was God working? In the midst of the coronavirus today, is God Working. Do you believe that God is using all types of experiences to get folks to cross paths with someone like you who has a spiritually life saving message? I'm not saying that God is bringing forth this virus. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe uh, be, be careful of people who who try to heap damnation on certain places and, and use it as a means of their prophetic anointing. Be careful. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is in the midst of a situation that we have that is very serious, could God still be working in the heart of someone who you're going to cross paths with? Could God still be preparing this person's heart to be able to receive Jesus when they get ready to cross paths with you? Missional living means that you believe that God is preparing the hearts of someone else, someone who you'll be able to engage with. Continue with me to with me at verse 29. Even in the midst of persecution, he prepares us. Verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? So the first statement was God is preparing the hearts of people going before us. The second point is missional living is taking hold of each opportunity God gives us to engage with others. He prepares the heart, but then he allows us to actually cross paths. Verse 29 says the spirit told him to go and join the chariot, which means that 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 Philip was at a distance And then Philip had to get close. It actually says that Philip turned it up. He started running to catch up with the chariot. It means he he engaged this Ethiopian. He adjusted his rhythm to be able to join the rhythm of the man that God had put before him. 
missional living may require something of you. It may require for you to adjust your pace of life to connect and meet people where they are. I, I was able to navigate life because I've, I've lived in two different cultures. When I, went to, when I went to high school, actually, I began living in a community that was mixed and I began to befriend some friends that were white. And then I also went to a high school that had a large population of white people. Um, I didn't realize it until we started doing life here in Detroit, how I had allowed a lot of the way I plan to be lined up with my white brothers and sisters. No, no, no shade that way. Everybody has different cultures and different ways in which their lifestyles align. But my African-American family, folks just show up. You just uh, eating and you might get a ring by the doorbell. Hey, uncle was driving by. He's over cooking it. What's up? Give him a plate. Like we just we just do life like that. Every now and then somebody will call to see if you're there. But for the most part, people just show up. But my Caucasian friends, uh, we make a date. Hey, what you doing in two weeks at noon? Let's get together and have lunch. Cool. Let's let's do it. Bet. I got you. So before I knew it, my life was planned out. But as I started serving in the neighborhood of Detroit and started being loved on by amazing people and loving other people, I started realizing trying to, like, put their lives into my account. I take my life and say, you know what, for the for the sake of making sure you feel cared for or for the sake of making sure we get a chance to get together, I'm going to let you dictate the rhythm. There's just a, a small cultural dip. Just come by, man. When it works for you, come by. And do you know there has, I start having a lot more meetings? When, when, I, when I take my life and say, you know what, for the, for the sake of making sure you feel cared for or for the sake of making sure we get a chance to get together, I'm going to let you dictate the rhythm. There's just a, a small cultural difference. It's not better or worse, but I adjusted my rhythm so that I could engage with others for the gospel. Philip meets this Ethiopian where he is. This Ethiopian is confused, and Philip sees the opportunity to care for his needs. Care for his needs. Care for his needs. Caring for needs is, is, is common among Christians. It's a part of our Christian DNA. To care for the needs of others is what we do. It is what we should do. It's what we should be about. I want you to listen to this, this snapshot in history from this man named Peter Burgo who, who drew this story from a Tim Keller sermon. It, it gives you a spotlight of Christian action and how we care for others. In 252 A.D., a devastating plague hit the city of Carthage. Healthy people fled in droves, leaving everything behind. Cyprian, the bishop, drew all the Christians into the center of this town where they had been persecuted and told them, if we're going to do what Jesus did so that through his poverty we might become rich, I call you to give personal and financial aid care and comfort to all according to their need, not their faith. 
this countercultural attitude toward money clearly differentiated these early Christians from the society that surrounded them and contributed significantly to the perpetuation of the Christian faith. About a century later, Roman Emperor Julian tried to revive the pagan religion. He eventually acknowledged defeat and in a letter to a friend wrote, whilst the pagan priests neglect the poor, the hated Galileans, which were the Christians, devote themselves to works of charity. These impious Galileans need not only feed their own poor, but ours also, welcoming them into their love or welcoming them into their agape. Julian's dying words were, you have won, Galilean. Expressing his recognition that with his death, Christianity would become the emperor's, the empire's state religion. Did we buy the faith of the world? No. We demonstrated our words and demonstrated our, with our actions that God's love would not be shackled by fear and that we would live with obedience to King Jesus and King Jesus alone. At times it was going to be costly. At times it was going to be a sacrifice. But because of a heavenly perspective, we deemed it worth it. Christians during that time buried their own as they gave and served their fellow man. So, Pastor, what are you saying? Are we supposed to do this now in every situation do exactly what these Christians from 252 did, get out, not be cautious, not consider some of the warnings that have been given and just go help, go help and ignore all of the warnings? No, I'm not saying that at all. But you should trust the spirit is preparing the hearts of people that you can engage with. And when God allows you to cross their path, we should respond. Here are some ways today that that you could maybe meet the needs. Here are some ways that you can get your mind going of how we can respond. First off, you can do your part in mitigating the spread of this virus as best you can. Care for the well-being of others by not spreading the virus to them. If you don't like to wash your hands, guess what? In this season, wash your hands a bit more. If you don't like to cover your mouth when you cough, guess what? Cover your mouth a bit more. During this season, err on the side of being a little bit too careful in our approach to care for others. Check on the elderly person that's in your church, in our, in our church, in the community, and or your neighbor. You know they are the most susceptible, so they should avoid generally crowded places like grocery stores. So check on them. See if they have any needs. And go overboard trying to make sure you are clean when you're trying to care for their needs. Go shopping for them. Give some of what you have to others who may not have as much. Yes, living missional might be a bit of a sacrifice where you have to give up one of your eight rolls of Lysol wipes. (laughs) You know, come on. Some some of these things we got to give up, y'all. Side note, I am a little hyped that... uh. Some of those people that were price gouging, they would buy like a $3 thing of wipes 
and then they would take the wipes and sell it for like 60 bucks online, taking advantage of people with like fixed incomes and all that stuff. Man, I'm so happy those folks got caught and they didn't shut down their sites. Um, back, to, back to some ways that we can serve today. Use some of your time. Be kind and think of others. Maybe during this season, because you might have to be at home, you write somebody a card that you've been meaning to, to just demonstrate love, to give somebody a phone call. Be considerate of others. If you know of a, maybe a person who is in a tough situation financially and they, and they have to go to work, maybe you watch their child. Maybe you bring them on into your house. Mama, if that's you, daddy, if that's you and you need somebody to watch your children, maybe you need to be okay with somebody Lysol wiping your kid's face when they walk in the door to make sure they cool. Hey, we're going to all have to be able to give a little bit and extend each other grace during this season. Maybe you need to have a positive attitude. Christians. Christians. Quit complaining. We've got to not have the tone of the world. So what? You didn't get to see your NCAA March Madness team go all the way this year. You may have just saved the life of the senior citizen that was a referee or a commentator in the building. So what? You, you may not have been able to finish your degree on time. You may have just helped your, your elderly professor, senior and wise, be able to enjoy more years with their grandchildren. Allow your kingdom perspective to bring forth hope. Don't go around moping like I've been guilty of. Let's share our perspective that leads forth towards hope. Maybe buy some gift cards to be able to help people if they need to get some groceries. Um, I I know I'm not supposed to say this one, uh, but maybe like If you know somebody is in a financial strain and they can't go to work because they have to care for their kids, maybe take your tithe and use it to help pay for somebody's rent. Join with another member of the church and together be able to help pay for somebody's rent. Or if you feel like you're robbing God, okay, bring the tithe to the church. Tell us who it is and the church will help pay for their rent. The goal is how, Lord, are you showing me the needs of somebody else? helping me to see that, Father, you may want to use me in a sacrificial way. And let me respond. Let me take hold of this opportunity. Maybe you are a person that could use social media with your savviness to write some blogs, design some beautiful art, or create some poetry that blesses people in the midst of a culture that is deemed fearful, worried, and anxious. Being countercultural is not static. It's not just the same response in every situation. It is listening to God who tells us when and where to go and how to respond. And family, that is the posture that we are called to have. Philip had a beautiful opportunity. He had this man that was that was moving forward, trying to understand. He had an experience, but he was trying to understand his experience through looking at the scriptures and this 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 angel tells Philip go go to this desert now go to this man now run up and catch up to him let our lives be willing to adjust 
to, to the rhythm of people and then live sacrificially so people might be able to see this God we serve. Philip gets the easy question. He kind of gets a, a lob thrown his way. I'm reading the scriptures. Can you tell me about it? We don't never get hookups like that, y'all. Come on now. You know we don't never get those type of hookups. But let's continue, though. Let's continue and see how, how Philip responded, because I do think it's, it's, it, it bears witness on how we should be responding as well. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Missional posture is you trusting that God is preparing the hearts of people. It's you being willing to go. It's also you being willing to act out of sacrificial love based on God allowing you to cross paths with someone. We almost are waking up each day saying, Lord, where? Lord, who? Lord, where? Lord, who? I'm on mission for you and you alone, even in the midst of craziness, even in the midst of peril, even in the midst of, of a virus. I still know that you have a use for my life to glorify you. I want to be on mission for you. But then, uh, but then there's, there, there's two responses that take place in these verses that I just read. One response of that is of Philip. The other response is that of the Ethiopian. The goal of Philip responding is to get the, the goal of Philip's engagement, the way that he presents the gospel, is the hope that the Ethiopian will respond with a life of submission, a life of Jesus, a life of allegiance to this God. We don't trick people into Christianity, but we are sincere in our desire for how they are to know Jesus. And we sincerely present them with an invitation to a life of freedom. I, uh, I, was, I was never good at this. Never good at it. Ladies, y'all, y'all just don't know sometimes how crazy it is for brothers. Uh, it was tough out here for brothers, at least in, in back in the day, because I know we're in a, in a new age and a new era, an era of like equality um, in all things between men and women. Um, but the era I grew up in, the, the age that I grew up in, uh, men pursued women. And so uh, back in our day of my teenage years, even coming into my 20s, mid-20s, uh, just was never smooth. Played it like I was smooth. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was acting like I was smooth. When it came to the, to the tongue game, I didn't have all that like some of my friends. I was, I was a certified WM, certified wingman. Let's go. Um, but, but what would happen even as a, as a, in my mid-20s, me walking one way, and then I see a beautiful young lady. I'm like, oh, man, I'm interested. Adjust where I'm going to try to go meet her. 
and you try to spark up a conversation and you're not just like informing her of like uh, facts, you know, you don't just say like today is Monday. You know, you don't just say like, you know, bikes have two wheels. I mean, you actually try to say something where, where you can engage and then also like not say something stupid where you mess up the whole thing. But your whole goal as a man in that situation is to get one thing. And we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not jumping off the deep end, brothers, all right? Not, not, we're not going into the marriage and thinking about, you know, wedding that, right? we we staying holy. Um, your whole goal is to get one thing, the phone number. You want a response. You're hoping that either she takes your phone number and calls you responding or that she gives you her phone number. There's a, there's a, everything you're doing leading towards a response. Philip is walking up to this individual, sees this Ethiopian wrestling with the scripture, knows that God has been leading him to this point. And then when he has the right opportunity, he responds by sharing the beauty of the gospel with the hope that the eunuch would respond. Family, I, I'm, I'm saddened that sometimes what God will do is guide us, prepare the hearts of that individual, allow us to cross paths, and then we leave it as something like, well, have a good day, because we did an act of service. Or maybe we did something that was really kind, or maybe we dropped off something. And I, I know that there's these ideas that like just serve people and, and out of your service, they will like come to know Jesus and the God you serve. I, I don't doubt that God can use anything. That's just not the, the primary examples that we have in scripture where people just come to know Jesus through acts of service alone. Actually, what accompanies our acts of service is our Bible proclamation. I'm not saying every time you serve, you need to hit somebody over the head like gift card, John 3.16, gift card. No, I'm not saying that. Like, let's be real. You might do one of those acts of services that I'm acts of service that I mentioned earlier. That sacrificial to your family where you give of some food from your own family to make sure that this other family can eat. And in two months, they may come back to you and say, man, you guys are so kind. My family doesn't even give to me like that. Why would y'all do that? Boom. Where do you leave it? Is your answer now to explain the beauty of who Jesus is and how he gave for us? Is your answer now one that is to, to try to get this individual to engage? with the gospel and actually respond or will we allow fear to lead us to chalk it up to our, this is how our parents raised us or we got to care for each other or this is what it means to be a good neighbor like, like family Philip begins to, to we don't see it here but because we know how Philip preached the gospel previous 
in chapter 8. And then we know he gets raised up by an angel, led away, and goes and starts preaching again in Caesarea. Preaching in the Bible is associated with telling the story of the gospel. Leading people to a point where they get a chance to accept or sometimes reject Jesus. There's a response that 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 he's trying to see take place. And missional living is allowing your life to be formed in a way where you are on mission so that someone will live for Jesus. The mission isn't about me. Left to me, the mission would be about comfort and acts of service only. I would love to simply just be kind to people. But that's not the mission of Jesus. Jesus is, as Romans says, a, a person like us where, where how will these people know to use, as, as Romans says, a, a person like us where, where how will these people know if the word is not preached to them? Sometimes he's willing to use one like you, one like me, to be able to give a person the opportunity to respond. Philip shares this gospel. The, the opportunity this man needed to unite with a holy God deeper than any relationship that he had ever experienced. And this man realizes it. He realizes it so much that this Ethiopian of stature, of wealth, trustworthy man says, pull the car over right now. Right now. I see some water right over there. Pull over. I want to respond by identifying Jesus Identifying with Jesus as the lamb that died for my sins. I want to identify with Jesus, the one who was ridiculed, mocked, who took on my shame so that I could be able to walk in confidence and boast in what Christ accomplished on my behalf. I want to identify with Jesus who died, conquered death, freed me from sin, then takes me and makes me into a new creation and gives me a new name. Makes me a co-heir. Allows me to inherit the kingdom that is invading this life. I want to identify with Jesus, the one who placed me in the relationship that has eternal significance. By this man saying, I want to be baptized. He was agreeing to the beauty of that gospel narrative. He was saying, I want to identify with Jesus. And while I may have had an experience and I might be a bit confused about what this book says. Now that it's been explained to me, I want to respond. I want to respond with a life of faith. I want to respond by loving Jesus. I want to respond by being baptized. Have you been baptized? Have you allowed your, your faith to go public? The, the change that took place in your heart, the experience that God gave you. Have you been baptized where you have been able before the public, before others in the midst of believers, been able to say this Jesus is worth all. And today I go down having lived one way a sinner, but I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. And when I arise, I rise cleansed free, ready to walk in the light of the Lord. 
If you have not been baptized, we want to ask you to be baptized here at Mac. We want to invite you into that. That is, do I need to be baptized in order to be a Christian? No. As a Christian, should I get baptized? Yes. So we would love to do that here. And if you are a person that uh, has not been baptized, let us know. And we would love to walk you through what baptism is and have you signed up. There's a man named Bob Woods who, uh, who, who writes in Pulpit Digest. He tells a story of a couple who took their son that was 11 and their daughter that was seven to Carlsbad Caverns. As always, when the tour reached the deepest point inside the cavern, the guide turned off all the lights to dramatize how completely dark and silent it is below the earth's surface. The little girl suddenly enveloped in utter darkness was frightened and began to cry. Immediately was heard the voice of her brother. Don't cry. Somebody here knows how to turn on the lights. In a real sense, that is the message of the gospel. The light is available even when darkness seems like it's overwhelming. Family, this virus situation has some people feeling like darkness is all around them. And God wants to use you. You. Missional you to cross their paths with a message or an act of service that is a light unto their lives. Yes, in the midst of persecution, peril or plague, God can still be up to something in people and he wants to use you. So don't let fear. Don't let comfort during this season of, okay, cool, I'm finally going to do all the house projects I want to do. I'm just going to be about me and my own business right now. Don't let worry or anything hinder you from the blessing of being missional. Live for God and share his beauty with others. COVID-19 and the coronavirus can't contain our love. It can't contain our service. It can't contain our compassion. Let God use the wisdom that he gives with our missional posture to magnify his name. I want you to to be missional. If you want to respond right now and you're a person that's that's watching this and you've not yet accepted Jesus to into your life. But you realize today. That maybe God has been preparing your heart for this moment right now. I want you to repeat after me. If you would like to accept Jesus into your heart, repeat after me. Jesus, I don't do everything or know everything about you. But I do know you have been preparing me for this moment. Thank you for dying so that I could live. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. My sins that were all in my past, as well as my sins in the future, you have forgiven. Thank you for making me new and placing your spirit in me. I want to live for you. 
Amen. Be missional, family. If, if, you just, if you just said that prayer, if you just believed that in your heart, you are now experiencing your first minute of new life in Jesus. And we are celebrating with you even in our pajamas at home. Let's get it. If you did just accept Jesus, we also want to connect with you. So please call us at 313-444-0036 as I would love and our team of elders would love to see you grow in Christ and be discipled. Church family, be missional. Trust that God is preparing the hearts of people for you to engage with. Be missional. Take advantage of the opportunities God gives you to share the gospel. Be missional. Respond in a manner where people have a chance to understand why you serve the way you serve so they can love the God we love. Let's be missional. Let's pray. Father, would you allow us to look like you, to reflect you? Would you allow us to show the world just how um, much we want people to know that they are loved. Not loved because they're Christian, not loved because they are um, doing a certain thing, but loved because they've been created in your image. And now, Lord, use us, grow us, work in our hearts, prepare us so that we might be able to one, be able to listen to your spirit as you lead, but then trust you to do something powerful in the lives of others. It is in your holy name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.